Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Cub Cooker Supernatural Podcast, our special Sunday morning edition. I do this every Sunday morning live on both Facebook and TikTok so that I can take questions on both platforms. Uh, Every Sunday morning, we kind of do a multi-stream here on several platforms during the week. I do TikTok and then redistribute that to the other platforms uh, because I like to put photos in the background and whatnot. But on Sundays, we just grab a cup of coffee, sit down together, and have a great conversation. And that's exactly what we're going to do this morning. So, Heath, what is up? Welcome, Chris Burt. Thank you for being here. Stacy Reinhardt, thank you for joining. Uh, Life Cycles 317, what is up? Uh, Midregard, what is going on? Wendell, thanks for being here. Nadia, thanks for joining. Robert McBride, Chad Burglar. Thank you guys all for joining this morning. Uh, ProForce, welcome. So we got a lot of people joining on both platforms this morning. Um, I'm going to be talking today about a really interesting message, something you're not going to hear in church this morning, something that you're not going to hear in uh, your normal Bible study group, um, and probably not even in your normal friend groups. So this is a conversation that I really think needs to be had. This is the gospel according to the matrix. Now, according to The Matrix, as a concept, yes, but also as the movie. Now, I personally re-watched the movie yesterday um, and saw things that I had never seen before, caught things with my mind that I had never caught before, um, and I wanted to share some of that with you guys today because um, as they kind of re-release these movies, they just put the anthology up there on uh, uh, one of the streaming platforms, I can't remember one, uh, but... You know, all of the movies together kind of make this full picture. Um, They combine Buddhism, Gnosticism, Christianity, um, some paganism, all into kind of this one religion of the Matrix movie. Now, I wanted to dive a little deeper into it because I see a pretty stark resemblance to Gnosticism. And I want to talk about what Gnosticism is. Um, It's something that a lot of churches right now are pushing back against. Um, and kind of uh, saying, you know, that it's um, it's kind of a, a belief of the devil or whatever. Uh, and I certainly don't uh, prescribe to that, but I do want to talk about what it is, how it might serve you, how you might want to avoid it, those type of things, um, and just have an open-minded conversation. That's what we're here for, guys. So uh, let's see. I think I had a comment over here on uh, good morning. David says good morning. Thank you very much. So if you guys have questions, drop me a comment. Um, Anyway, so getting into it, um, I'm reading from NPR.org, and the person that wrote this article, um, which I couldn't tell you who it was because they don't cite who it is, unfortunately. Um, It says, The Matrix offers up a stew of aspects from other religions, traditions, particularly Buddhism. Danaly says, so Danaly... um, is whoever wrote this, I guess, uh, says it's not surprising that the film combines aspects of Buddhism with Gnosticism. They pose humanity's fundamental problem and solution in the same terms. Ignorance and enlightenment, she says. So uh, the person they're interviewing here, uh, that's a quote from them. And I was actually looking for the citation. I knew they interviewed, but I can't find it. So um, anyway, but I find it really... Um, interesting. So, oh, Frances Flannery Danley, uh, is her name. She teaches religion at Hendricks College in Conway Arc. 
Um, she says it believes that God who created this world is not the ultimate God, but there is a higher God, a transcendent reality. So with that, that is personally what I believe. I believe in Genesis 1 and Genesis 2 being two separate stories. Genesis 1 being the divine creation by the triune God, Elohim, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, or Father, Mother, Son, depending on what uh, what you believe with that. Um, and that in Genesis 2, the narrative flips, and now you have a maker God, or the gods. We hear in Enoch about fallen angels. Um, we know that in our history, uh, you know, 10 to 15,000 years ago, we have different writings, different transcripts, different... Uh, cave drawings and hieroglyphs and stuff like that that kind of show that we were visited or helped by the gods. And you have to ask yourself the question. This is the point where you you either decide to step into kind of a weirder side of faith or you go, no, I'm comfortable, I'm happy in my normal uh, safe faith and I'm okay with that. And so that is, that's the question you have to ask yourself today. Are you ready for more? Are you ready uh, to go down the rabbit hole and find out um, what authentic reality really is and who you really are, or are you comfortable in the faith that you've built already? And there's no wrong answer with that. I'm not telling you there's there's a right or a wrong answer. It's just it's a question, and that's also, by the way, the question that the movie The Matrix poses. Um, and so. Let's see, we've got a couple of questions over here. Let's see, the Ethiopian Bible has all the books in it. Yes, it does, absolutely. Um, thank you guys for joining. I really appreciate you all being here. Um, so yeah, the Ethiopian Bible has like Book of Enoch. Uh, what's up, Gretchen? How are you doing? Um, and, and a lot of those kind of lost texts in it. So I'm also going to read some history of the Bible today because I have to address some comments that I've been getting um, sorry about my hair today and the studio is a mess. I've got some new artwork. I'm working on getting hung up back here. So, um, but Jeremy Watts says, hi, what's up, Jeremy? How are you doing? Ray Watson. What's up, Jacob? How are you? Uh, I love your content and thank you, Sean Howell says, thank you, Sean. I really appreciate that. God bless you guys for your support and for being here. And thank you to everyone that bought the t-shirts yesterday. Uh, we still have the 20% off sale on my website, www.cubkuker.me. You can get the really cool shirts. It's all my artwork. If you haven't seen it, just go check that out. It's at the very top, and it says limited edition merch drops. You can go check out all the new t-shirts there. Those t-shirts are only on there for like one to two weeks before I cycle them out. I make all that artwork uh, using AI technology, the power of my mind, storytelling, uh, work really hard to create that artwork and lay them out very specifically on those shirts so they tell a story. Each t-shirt is all over printed. It's premium. Um, they are, um, I can't remember what they're made out of, but um, it's a great fabric. Like if you work out and stuff like that and they are all over, all over print. Um, I'll get back to the study here, but I had a few questions about them, so I want to answer that. They're super cool. Every one of them has a story. Um, and they are, let's see, they are a hundred percent polyester jerseys. So, um, they're really soft. Uh, they're great for athletic type stuff without being too, you know, slick and, um, athletic type, but they're not cotton where they'll like weigh you down or, 
you know, wear out real quick. So, uh, polyester, great material on that. And then, uh, this one particularly that I'm looking at is called sacred arrival tea. Um, and the story behind it is the sacred arrival tea is a bold reminder that our sacred texts are filled with extraterrestrial activity. If your faith transcends the normal ideology of faith, this shirt is for you. All artwork is by Cub Cooker, lovingly made using digital AI technology and the power of imagination. So anyway, y'all go check those out, www.cubcooker.me. You can't miss them. They're right at the top. Just click on that. Getting back into the study, um, 18 ways the Bible has changed throughout history. Now, this article, uh, I read it the other day, um, and I was pretty shocked. I already have my questions about how the canonization of this Bible, you know, came to be. Uh, let me start by saying I love my Bible. I read it all the time. Uh, I always look for enlightenment and understanding in it. I look for um, who I really am, who Christ really is. Um, but I also am not so dogmatic in my beliefs that I think that this is the end-all be-all and that uh, this was never changed. I see human fingerprints all over this. Um, and I, I just can't deny it anymore. Um, and, and if you, if you believe this is infallible, then that is, that is fantastic. And, and I welcome you here and I'm totally okay with you thinking that because again, this is an open-minded channel. I'm not here to tell you right or wrong. I'm here to give you the options. That's all I'm here to do. And, and honestly, that is one of the main themes of the Matrix movie. So before we get into the Matrix movie gospel, I want to talk about um, kind of the history of the Bible and the history of Gnosticism just real quick. So um, blessed to be here, Gretchen says. Uh, Jeremy says, doing good. Awesome. Uh, let's see. Thank you, Jesus, for... Um, let's see. Hey, you keep those comments out of here, guys. Thank you, or I will block you. So, uh, keep seeking truth, brother. Uh, we are all here to grow, my friend. Thank you very much. Be open-minded, guys. Be respectful. Uh, Jesus did not create that thing you're talking about. Um, let's see. Love your account. I'm just joining. Uh, thank you for joining, uh, uh, Magnus Wilson. Um, yeah, this is the Bible I'm talking about. And then we're going to talk about like all the ways it was changed. The Ethiopian Bible still has a lot of the books and it's not just books that were changed, by the way, it's actual translations that have been changed, um, and words inserted and kind of extra things that were added to fit a narrative rather than look at all of these as ancient scriptures and try to put together the common thread of truth. That is one thing I like about Gnosticism is they don't like deny all the pantheons, and prior beliefs of uh, peoples before them. Um, and I just, I think to me, that's the most respectful thing to do because we know that these people, uh, you know, the Sumerians, the Egyptians, they all had experiences with their gods. Um, or they wouldn't have been worshiping them. Like they wouldn't have just worshiped. A lot of people believe that the, the gods in the Bible are just idols made out of wood and stone or metals, you know, and that they are lifeless and inanimate and there's actually a verse that talks about that um, but if you look at all the other verses and you look at things like Enoch and you look at the Old Testament you see that these gods were real enough for God to say hey I'm going to send you out with your gods at the Tower of Babel um, I'm going to send you out with them and that's the point when Yahweh goes hey I'm going to take Israel as my portion 
That's where I believe that Yahweh is the maker God and El Elyon is God most high. El Elyon is who Christ came. Uh, it was talking about my father, my father. He's also a priest, the high priest in the order of Melchizedek. Now, another clue on who the father of Christ is, the heavenly father of Christ, is because Melchizedek was a priest of El Elyon, God most high, the spiritual God, not this physical entity that was visiting the planet. This is where I lose a lot of people. If you don't believe in the ancient astronaut theory, that's totally fine. Um, but but hang around because this might reveal some stuff. You might watch some things and go, hey, wait a minute, maybe there's something to that. Or you're right. You know, people really did have experiences with these or they wouldn't have just made them up. So um, let's see. I had some more questions on here. Um, uh, exactly. It's been changed so that people would worship the gods they chose. Yes, absolutely. Um, and so, you know, that's another thing. And I think we're living in a time right now where people are so confused as to what this actually says because it's been altered to serve a purpose of, um, you know, kind of smudging out the free thinkers and uh, moving into a place of control. And I don't say that to be a conspiracy person and that's not my mo on this app by the way there's plenty of those those accounts and that's just not me so i just look at the data and go okay yeah it's been changed okay so what did it really say what is christ really saying what does he really mean to me and that's where i that's where i approach it this took me losing everything this took me losing my house my job uh my biggest contract um all of my contracts with my business um, and it took me admitting, even before I lost all of that, to God that, hey, I'm ready for more. I know there's more. I can feel it. I can taste it. I can see it. And I know you're drawing me to more, Father. I know you're drawing me to more. So I'm going to admit that. And I'm going to say, hey, I'm ready. And, and even if it shakes everything I thought was true, even if it changes my life completely, I'm ready. And I'm ready to put all of this on the table. I'll give it all back to you. I want truth and I want the life and the purpose that you've called me to. And I remember doing that, and I have a bicycle over here. I put my hand on that bicycle, and that was just like an anchor moment for me. I'll never forget that. And it was just like, I'll give all this back to you, and I'm ready. I, I need to know where you want me and what my life's work is. And from then on, things started changing. I mean, radically changing in my life uh, to the point of like, you know, you talk about manifesting and it's like you see something you want, you know you want to move into that reality. Well, the way God manifests, the way true manifesting works is he starts taking away everything that doesn't serve into that purpose that he's called you to. And that is the reality when you, when you serve the God most high. These other gods will give you anything you want on this earth. Even Satan took Christ up to the top of the mountain and said, I'll give you all the kingdoms of the earth if you just bow down and worship me. Um, and we, we put Satan in there, but we know Hasatan, Satan is kind of a concept rather than a person, uh, biblically. And then, um, that's where I believe that, you know, Hasatan, the Satan has worked, uh, through many of these gods before and these gods that are counterfeiting true reality. Um, and I've done a whole live stream on the serpent in the garden. Let's see. Carmen said something. Um, I may have to hook up the TV just to watch Ancient Aliens. I haven't had TV in over two years. Carmen, yes, definitely. Uh, Ancient Aliens is so so mind-opening. Uh, and if you take 
what I'm talking about here with the Gnostic gospel, and then you start to look at the alien gospels, um, like you kind of see the counterfeit of these extraterrestrial gods in the Old Testament trying to create these doctrines and these laws and everything. Even Yahweh is has been noted in multiple cultures descending on mountains in fire and smoke thousands of miles away, thousands and thousands of miles away uh, from Israel, from um, Mount Sinai. He, he's gone by many, many names, but he's always goes by the God of storms. He brings storms and thunder and smoke and lightnings and all this energy and power with him. And of course, if you're an archaic people and you look at that, you go, that's God. Well, if we saw that now, we'd go, that's an extraterrestrial. Um, and so why does he not come now like that? Because he's already infected and infiltrated into the Matrix so deeply. And that's what I'm about to talk about with the Matrix here. So deeply uh, that we all just believe that he's the one true God. And we kind of just fall into line and everything's okay. Um, and we just try to have, you know, have faith that it'll all work out. Rather than say, hey, I really want truth and I really want to know. Because I'm telling you, I don't think that that God of the Old Testament is the God that Christ came to reveal to us. And that's, if you've ever had that thought, if you've ever had that moment of, this just doesn't sound right. This God is angry, and then Christ talks about love. He talks about his Father is compassionate. This God requires sacrifice. The God that Christ was talking about, his Father, he's talking about one that does not require sacrifice but requires compassion this literally i'm i'm quoting bible verses here and so once you start to see it you go wait a minute wait a minute what's been pulled over my eyes here and what's been pulled over a lot of people's eyes and so again i'm just sharing my experience i cannot tell you what to do with this data i cannot tell you how to live your life a lot of people get on these apps and they try to give you the secret and tell you what to do and how to live. And I'm just not here to do that, but I'm here to bring the data. I'm here to bring this information and let God do with it what he will in your life. Uh, and that's all I can do. So uh, with all the newfound knowledge and new insight, I'm having a hard time addressing God in my prayer. Uh, what names do you use? I am bothered uh, by this for some reason. Hey, Carmen, that was part of my awakening when I was going through this. I didn't even know who to pray to anymore. Finally, I realized who Christ was praying to. When he prayed, he said, Abba, Abba, Father, Father. He said, um, uh, he, he talked to God Most High, El Elyon. Um, on the cross, he cried out. Um, and I can't remember what he cried out, but it was it was God Most High. Um, and so I really have started praying to my heavenly father, to God most high, uh, to L, El Elyon, God most high. Um, and so I think that that's very, you know, we have a lot of Yahweh worship songs in churches now, and that bothers me because I just do not believe personally Yes, Gretchen, God Most High, absolutely. Because that will not be confused. When you're praying to God Most High and you're praying in spirit and in truth, that was another thing. When Christ was talking to the scribes, he said, you know, now you worship by the law, but you, uh, and I'm paraphrasing, but now you worship by the law, but uh, the day will come when you will worship my Father, when you will worship my Father, and you will have to worship in spirit and in truth. And so Christ talked about, he said, the kingdom won't come with visible signs. These other gods, like Yahweh, 
They were teaching about a, he- a kingdom of heaven coming. Christ taught about a kingdom of God being within you. It's here now already. Heaven is within. Now, why is it within? Because we're already connected to the mind of God. And when this body is expired, yeah, we might get an upgraded body. That's great. But we are infinite. We are forever. We are loved. We are forgiven. We are sanctified. And Christ came to remind us of that. He didn't come to necessarily change the narrative. He came to remind us of the narrative. And he came to be the final bull sacrifice to the evil gods of the Old Testament. That's what I believe. Uh, I call him Dad or Adonai, um, Most High God. Yes, absolutely, Nicole, absolutely, very good. Uh, What is your take on the rapture? That is very interesting. There is some really weird data that I've found, and I, I can't quote it because it's very, very sparse on the Internet, and I'm looking for historical data on this. And when I find it, I promise I'll share it. But just in a nutshell, my take on the rapture is two things. If you've ever read a book called The Paradigm by Jonathan Cain, you'll see how these gods are very real and they continue to avatar through people on this earth. They used to come down and live with people and they used to build cities and energies and um, they did what was considered sorcery in the Bible. Um, and Christ came from a line of magicians, magic, esoteric, inward magic, realizing that we are the kingdom of God, we are the temple of God, uh, being able to manipulate and wield frequencies, energies, the law of love, rather than the law, the law, which required sacrifice, blood, it required incense, it required certain processes. That is sorcery. Now, here's another question that I want to answer, and then I'll I'll answer yours here. I'm sorry, I'm way ADD, so I jump around. But um, the reason I believe that Christ came from a line of magic rather than a line of sorcerers is because you look at the gods of the Old Testament, you look at the old law, they required sacrifice, they required the blood, they required all these specific things. They were manipulating this physical matrix to get what they wanted, get what they needed and use people as essentially batteries to uh, power their ships, power their technology, to harness the power of the human body to actually get things done. They even created their own races through us. If you read Enoch, the Watchers came and created their own line of uh, beings, which became giants, the Nephilim. Um, And then you look at Christ and he's talking about an inward kingdom. He's talking about uh, that we are spirit, God is spirit. Um, he talks about all this stuff that's super contrary to the old law. And if you read it that way, you go, wait a minute. Like, you know, and most pastors will teach, no, he was coming to fulfill it. He was, you know, a lot of that has been attributed to him. And we're going to see here in a minute how, like, he's been tried to tie to Israel. Now, um, I'm not saying he didn't come and fulfill that, but. Um, there was a lot of effort made to make sure that he was their Messiah. Um, and he even said, who do you say I am? So like he never came and claimed to be, uh, you know, what they put on the cross above him when they unalived him. And I find that very interesting. We have to look at data guys. Like if there's one thing we know from scientific principles, it's like, look at the data and then look at how it adds up. And if it adds up, and makes sense, then you can move on that hypothesis for a while 
until you find new data and you continue to evolve your understanding. And that's basically what Gnosticism is. So uh, Monarch says, I completely agree. Um, let's see. Yahweh is not his name. Question mark. Carmen says, so Yahweh is a God in the Old Testament. I believe he's the maker God who basically tricked the whole world into thinking he was God because he's one of the most powerful of the extraterrestrial gods. Uh, and I know that's out there to believe that, but I do believe in ancient alien theory. Um, I do believe uh, that those extraterrestrials came as gods and that we worshiped them as gods. And I believe Yahweh was one of the most jealous of them. And he said, don't have any other gods before me. You know, uh, don't worship that bull that you made, that golden calf. What does that represent? That represents El. El Elyon in Sumerian culture was the god of gods. So why would Yahweh be mad after he gave the law to control humanity when they were reverting back and worshiping what? A golden calf, a golden bull representing El Elyon. I don't have proof of that. I'm just telling you these are the things my mind sees. And so take from it what you will. Um, so getting back to the rapture, I'm so sorry I rabbit trailed. Okay, so the rapture, you know, you have the whole book of Revelation and everything. Um, and then the rapture is actually in another verse in the Bible. Um, you have people that debate pre-tribulation rapture, like before things get really bad, all of the believers are going to be out of here and beamed up. Uh, and then you have post-tribulation rapture, like we're going to go through it, and then uh, God will use us to enlighten people and help people find him, and then we'll be raptured. Um, then you have a whole other camp that I didn't even know existed, but I kind of see this, that the rapture already happened. There was literally a cosmic battle of the gods. Literally what John prophesied happened in that time. And as he was talking about those generations, and he was talking to those churches, those churches are not, you know, talking about something 2,000 years later, that they were talking about that time and this cosmic battle that was going to come and ended all of that. And by the way, returned us back to God the exact way he said it was going to happen. And that maybe what he said and what Christ said, maybe that was all literally true and it actually happened and it is finished and we've defeated the gods, yet we still live in a physical matrix and the gods are still in charge of this world. But now our spirit is returned to God and we can go through Christ directly to God. And so that's the belief. Those are the three camps, really. So... Um, I, I can't tell you which one is true because there are days that I believe, yeah, it already happened and I can return directly to God and everything that Christ taught was true and everything, um, that this church construct that came out in the church of Acts, that was all just to continue a doctrine and denial of all of this stuff and to smite out the Gnostics. And so I can see all of that. I'm not a history buff, so I cannot like tell you definitively one way or another, I'm just saying the data is very interesting when you start looking into it. So, uh, Matthew 27, five, uh, 51 through 52, the dead in Christ rose. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, uh, Micah says it's happening and that's, it's another thing. So it's like, if, if it already happened, so say that third hypothesis is true. If it already happened, why are we seeing things unfold that are in the prophecy? Well, the book, the paradigm explains that, uh, the Jonathan Cain in the paradigm, uh, I don't believe he thinks that all of the revelation already happened. I think he thinks that it's going to happen 
But if you read the paradigm, the theory in there is that time is just a loop. It's cyclical. Like every every prophecy that was prophesied already happened and will happen. And it's just a continual loop. And as we evolve in the physical matrix, we get upgrades in the matrix with our technology, our understandings, everything, until it kind of scales to this point of collapse again. And so, I again, I can't tell you what is... Yeah, history repeat, repeats, absolutely. So, um, are you not taking guest requests? Hey, Coach Gnosis, no, I don't take guest requests. Um, now, I do uh, like podcasts with other people, but... We've got to pre-plan it and kind of talk about what we're going to talk about. Because I like to serve my audience at like the highest level possible and not just have um, conversations with people that we don't kind of plan a little bit about what we're going to talk about. So, uh, But I appreciate that. And I would be willing to go live with you sometime if you want to reach out to me on DM, kind of talk about what we might get into, and then uh, kind of go for it together so we serve your audience and my audience at the same time uh, so we can understand both audiences. So. Uh, one of your favorite verses currently. So one of my favorite verses currently is probably in the Gospel of Thomas. And I will, I promise I'll read that here in a minute. Um, okay, so a few things that were done to change the Bible. And this is from historycollection.com. So I can't verify any of this. You can't verify anything on the internet these days. So, you know, you just have to take the data and where it adds up and where you see truth. That's one thing that Gnosis is all about is truth is within. You can take any data, even if it's not 100%, and you can start to find common threads in it that help your understanding. So, um, this is great. It's like a meet and greet with the master of knowledge. Thank you, Aaron. I don't know about that, but thank you very much. Have you ever heard or read a book called Yugas? Uh, talks about tines and ages being crystal. Uh, one of my favorite books uh, to study. Laura says, I, I will check that out, Laura. I have not heard of that, but that sounds fantastic. Um, I love stuff like that. I love expanding my mind. Uh, Michael says, wow, way out there. Not saying you're wrong. I'm just having a hard time grasping something like this. Michael, thank you very much. I appreciate that, and, and I know it is out there. And there are days... You know, I just feel like God speaks through me when I go live like this. I, I have a very loose plan on what I'm going to do, and I want to make sure that I approach it with love and respect. That's my number one thing, uh, because even for me, it's it's hard to hear some of this. It's hard to challenge some of my prior beliefs, um, and so and I want to be respectful to you guys too that are like on the fence. I'm not for the people that are you know a thousand percent dogmatic. You know, I'm not going to change my belief systems. That's not who I'm here for. I'm for the, and I'm not for the people that are just grabbing anything out there in the atmosphere. I'm for the people on the fence that maybe are like, hey, I don't know. Hey, I don't know. Hey, I don't know. That's my number one thing. I don't know. I don't know. So, reading from historycollection.com. Number one, early editions of the King James Version were filled with typographical discrepancies. About 200 editions of what are known as the Great H.E. Bibles are known to exist in the 21st century. The Bibles contain title pages for both Testaments, which are dated 1611. You may have heard of the 1611 Bible. That's what this is talking about. Though in some instances the actual books of the Old Testament were printed in 1613. More than 350 typographical errors appear in the text. One of the most famous being the book of Ruth 
in those in which the Old Testament was printed in 1611. In the book of Ruth, the text reads, in reference to Boaz, he measured six measures of barley and uh, laid it on her, and he went into the city. That's Ruth 3.15. The second use of the pronoun he is incorrect. It refers to Ruth going into the city rather than Boaz. And should have read she. So why is this important? Well, because a lot of the modern versions that we have of the Bible have, have washed any feminine energy out of it. And ladies, this is for you. There is so much, like, there is a lot of data that back up that Mary, the mother of Christ, and Mary Magdalene, who, if you watch the Da Vinci Code, Christ was married to, um, allegedly, that they were a scene being a, ma- a line of magicians, not sorcerers, but magicians. Um, and so the fact that he's born into and marries into that line is very, very interesting. So again, I can't prove that, but, but some of the things I find out. And so this little discrepancy in Ruth, how might that change the whole story if Ruth went into the city rather than Boaz? I'm just saying. We have a lot of these kind of indiscrepancies that we have to be aware of. So um, let's see other questions. Uh, facts are facts and truth to truth. God is the fact. He is the truth. Amen. Amen. Uh, I heard Mary was a medium in the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, I mean, again, we don't know that, but but there's some data to back that up. And in this week, in fact, I'm going to, because we're getting into the fall and it's kind of that magic in the air feeling as we get into the season changing, we've got a full moon going on, all this stuff. I'm going to talk about magic versus sorcery all week. And this is going to be something, again, uh, was it Michael uh, said over here, that that's way out there, not saying you're wrong, just a hard time grasping something like this. The, the discussions I'm going to have this week are very, very difficult for us to have because I was told growing up, I was basically raised in like a homeschool um, C-U-L-T for lack of a better word, Um, and I was told, stay away from magic. Don't do the Harry Potter. You got to burn that VHS of the Disney stuff. You got to, and I'm just not that guy anymore, guys. Uh, And this was not my parents that did that to me, by the way, but some of the people we hung out with had those beliefs. They were very doctrinal about that. There was no open-mindedness and no looking at the history of, of why all that exists. But it's just stay away from it. Just stay away from it. Get rid of it. Literally, we had, you know, you heard of the book burning parties that, you know, they used to have in the 1800s and before. Well, we had those with VHSs. So, um, and it was not, not really something that I like to talk about because it made me afraid to look for knowledge. And even the Garden of Eden story. When you hear that the snake comes to bring knowledge, comes to show them where the knowledge is, and then the church tells you your whole life growing up that it's knowledge, that Christ saves, not knowledge. That's a problem because can we not maybe look at the other side of that coin? Can we not maybe look at Genesis 1 being the divine, beautiful creation? Genesis 2, the garden, even in the Matrix movie, this is supposed to be about the Matrix today, the agent at the end tells Neo. Neo is an archetype for Christ in that, by the way. He tells him 
This is the second version of the Matrix. The first one we built for you was perfect and it was nothing but bliss, but you rejected it. And there's something funny about humans. They like suffering. So we gave you this one and you thrive in it. And that's what the agent is telling him. And I find that really, really revealing. That all of a sudden, this idea of the Garden of Eden being a prison might actually have something to it. I'm just saying. Uh, Yes, I'm here. Annie says, hey, what's up, Annie? How are you doing? Thank you for being here, friend. Um... Me too, the church scares you about seeking. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, they are doctrine, absolutely. Back in the 80s, uh, the JW said uh, not to go to Disney World because it promoted magic. Yeah, and it's interesting because they actually hold a belief, from what I understand, about the Order of Melchizedek. So I don't quite understand why they would stay away from that. So um, I I don't pretend to understand it all, and I think a lot of things may be founded originally on some understanding, and then the more humanity you put in control and give power, the more it evolves and changes into something that's not quite quite all there anymore. So, uh, why wouldn't her testimony make it into the modern Bible of Mary? Uh, You can read the Gospel of Mary Magdalene. Um, I've got it on my website, cubcooker.me. Um, if you go down to the Lost Gospels tab, it's going to be under that, along with Gospel of Philip, Gospel of Thomas, Gospel of Judas, Gospel of Mary Magdalene. Uh, and we're reading through those two. I'm going to read from Gospel of Thomas today, which is amazing, amazing. Um, but uh, let's see, uh, Alan's Science Project, Garden of Eden. Okay, I'll have to look that up. Is that a video? Um, that would be very interesting to check out. So, um Let's see. Awesome. Okay, cool. So just just kind of to wrap this up in a nutshell before I start reading from Gospel of Thomas. You can look at historycollection.com, 18 ways that the Holy Bible was changed or altered throughout history. Um, and these are all kind of historical accounts, you know, here. So this is not like trying to be, you know, on a particular bias side. It's just looking at what was done to change it, you know, so... The first edition of the King James Version was heavily criticized for its translation of Hebrew. Um, Highly regarded English scholar on the Hebrew language, Hugh Burton, was not included among the clergy who translated the books of the Hebrew Bible using the Tyndale as their guide. Uh, When the King James Version appeared, Burrow uh, condemned both the method of the translation, the translations he had rejected word-for-word approach, and the resulting text. So that's another thing. I like looking at the Strong's. The Strong's Concordance will give you at least a closer picture as to the word-for-word understanding. One of the things I want to share right now, and this is a great place to do that, because you see that they kind of took liberties with the Hebrew. We'll see in a minute they took some liberties with the Greek as well. So in John fourteen six, this is a verse people quote to me all the time. Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We, in our human understanding, and our need for simplicity, and our need for not having to dig deeper and look within, we take that and we go, great, 
Little figurine Jesus, put him on the dash, hang the cross, put the cross around the neck. Okay, it's through Jesus, through Jesus, through Jesus. What does this really say? Here's what's interesting. If you go to, no one comes to. So the word come, come to, is from the Strong's Greek, erkomai, and I'm probably butchering that, erkomai, erkomi, er K-H-O-M-A-H-E-E is the phonetic spelling, Erkomi. Um, and it says, I come or go. So it is um, arrival, arrive, brought, came, come, come through, entered, accept, fall. Uh, so you can kind of see the, you know, the translations of that. To the Father, the Father being the Strong's 3962. We look that up. Pater, P-A-T-E-R, a father, heavenly father, ancestor, elder, or senior. So again, we see who Christ is talking about. He's not talking about Yahweh here. Or seemingly, it certainly doesn't look like it. It's In fact, he certainly doesn't look like he talks about Yahweh at all. In fact, he challenges Yahweh several times from what I have personally understood in the text I read. So, except through me. Through is the key here. So, we say, no, we've got to go to God through Christ. Okay. So, the word through is Strong's Greek 1223. And that word is dea, D-I-A. And phonetic spelling, D-E-E-A-H, dia. And the usage is through, throughout by the instrumentality of, through, on account of, by reason of, for the sake of, because of. And the last version of that translation, even if you just read all of those and understand the usage, the idea of through, we say, you know, well, I gotta, you know, let's talk to Jesus. Let's talk to Jesus. But really, he's saying, and I understand it as he's saying, because of the sake of, by the instrumentality of, the account of. So no one goes to the Father except because of what I did, what I'm about to do. The it is finished. He said not one letter of the law will pass away until it is finished. And I'm paraphrasing, but, and then what does he say on the cross? It is finished. Anyway, interesting, interesting data as we get into this. So, uh, let's see. I know I've missed comments, guys, here. So, um, I'm more afraid to attend a church house than anything. Uh, we're supposed to be the church. Absolutely, Gretchen. Definitely, we were supposed to be the church. I think churches can still be a wonderful place, you know, if they're open-minded, if they allow you. Um, here's the number one way that I think you can tell a church that's on the right path is, Look at the fruit. Are they doing stuff like this? Are they answering questions? Are they accessible? Are they holding the truth? Because Jesus said, you knew the path, and yet you did not disclose it all. He's talking to the scribes. Again, I'm paraphrasing. I paraphrase a lot. You can look up the verses for yourself. I would have a million tabs open over here if I had to have every exact quote. That's not who I am. I'm a paraphrase guy because I'm trying to understand the essence of all of this. 
Um, um, you want bad theology, by the way, this is the channel for you because I'm not a theologian at all. And pastors come on here all the time and try to drop some knowledge on me, and that's fine. Um, but there's a reason that God... Ne- I tried to go to seminary multiple times, by the way. I also tried to become uh, a pastor multiple times and a minister. And it just never worked out for some weird reason. Never worked out. Like, uh, the opportunity was there, it was perfect, and then God needed me over here, whatever, within that institution. And like it just. And then even when I was younger, I wanted to go to seminary. I wanted to go to Bible college. And then I just kind of got... Uh, needed over here in the job I was in, which was more than a job. It was a big family that I was a part of. And so it was really weird that I just never got, yet I still have never, my passion for it has never gone away. And here I am doing it. So cliff notes. Yes, that's, that's, uh, yeah, I wish I could give you the cliff notes. Cliff notes are in my uh, 60 second videos, Annie. So, um, but yeah, so that's, uh, that's what I do here is I try to give you the cliff notes of all of this information together. Um, and uh, I know I jump around, but I definitely, I definitely think there's something to this. And I definitely think there's something to the matrix. A lot of people demonize the matrix for being, um, new age belief for being Buddhist. And here's the deal. Why are the Buddhists wrong? Why are the Hindus wrong? Why are the Muslims wrong? Why are, like, why do we say that another belief system is wrong? What, rather than going, what is the truth in that? And I think ultimately, guys, that's what I'm here to say is I don't care what you believe. I don't care what your background is. What do you know? I don't care what you believe. What do you know? What you know is much different than what you believe. We can stand on the firm ground of our belief and argue with people until the day is over. Yet when it comes to, hey, what do you know? What do you know to be true inside of you? That makes it different. When you ask someone, what do you know? And they go, well, I believe. No, not what do you believe, what do you know? And that's why I love Gnosis. That's why I love the Gnostic gospel of the matrix. Red pill, blue pill. Which do you choose? There's no wrong answer. But you can't go back once you have the red pill. That one goes down the rabbit hole. That one you wake up and realize that you've always been in a prison. That one you wake up and you realize that all of this stuff all serves the same false God. That's the one where you realize that the God you've been looking for is within you all along. That's the one where when you say, I am God, you're not lying because he is in you. You're not even breathing and talking and animated without his logos, without his son, without Christ in us. He animates everything and he is in the matrix. And I believe he came into the matrix through the serpent. But what does Yahweh do? What do these evil gods do? They twist it just enough so that you think the serpent's evil. And Christ even said, so that Moses held up the servant in the desert, so must the son of man be lifted up. And of course, he was talking about going to the cross there. But why is he tying a parallel to himself and the serpent? Why did he say to be as shrewd as serpents and as harmless as doves? Why did he combine all of these things that we today, we try to make this like clear. This is the one path. Well, what is the one path? The one path is within. And it means having your spiritual eyes open. And it means realizing that, hey, I'm not right, but he is all the time. 
Amen. Preach. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Uh, if anything, they took some of the truth uh, are taken from the Bible. Absolutely. Uh, I went looking for a link. I don't know how to find out while I'm live. Uh, Ted, yeah, you are. Uh, let's see. Uh, Tadina Allen. Sorry. <laughs> the names are so small on this. Uh, the link is just Cub Cooker, my name, C-U-B-K-U-K-E-R dot M-E. And that'll have all of the stuff, all of the texts that I reference. It has my t-shirt line on there. Has my book that I wrote on there. If you haven't read my book, by the way, and you like my brand of all of this, I've got an audio book called God-Given Gifts of Brilliance. And it's literally a study, kind of a self-help type study. I narrate it. It's about five hours long. And it will get you with me to dive into who you really are and find your personal gifts. It is the reason that I'm here doing this. I wrote the book. God spoke something to me divinely. I poured it out into the book. I recorded the book, and it wasn't accepted until two years later to be an audiobook. And this year, when I finally recommitted to this thing that I'm doing now, which I do this full-time, by the way, so everything you guys buy through there supports me doing this full-time. Um, that book is the reason that I'm here, because I finally in myself found all of these connect the dots things that God had given me all these experiences skills beliefs everything that connected together he was able to strip the ones out that didn't serve this purpose but it all came together and that book really helped trigger all of that in my thought processes and my understanding of everything I wrote it from a Christian perspective and as you can tell now I still have a Christian perspective but I'm also a much wider perspective I think uh, I'm more of a follower of Christ than what you might consider a doctrinal Christian, if that makes sense. Now, the first when I wrote that book, I considered myself a doctrinal Christian. But you can still see some really weird similarities between what I talk about now and what I wrote in that book. And uh, I'm listening to it myself right now. Uh, every time I go to the gym, I listen to it. And it's just like God is pouring more into me and more solidifying what I'm doing more direction on my path. And if you're looking for that, I highly, highly recommend God-Given Gifts of Brilliance. It's right at the top of my website. The audiobook, I highly recommend. It's on Audible. And if you don't want to do the membership on Audible, you can get it on Apple Books. Uh, you can get it on any, um, even on Audible, you can just do the one-time payment and buy the book. You don't have to sign up for the membership. It's just scroll down a little bit there and click on one-time purchase. Because uh, somebody had trouble with that. I'm not trying to lock you into their membership, by the way. So, um, so the Matrix movie. He's given a choice. Red pill, blue pill. Why is Neo the, the character? Why is he an archetype for Christ? Because the idea of Christ in the Bible is not that he's a person, but he is the Logos of God. Now, the Logos of God makes a lot more sense when you put kind of an earlier belief, maybe like the Sumerian belief on it, <clears throat> of father, mother, son. You have a divine family, Elohim, plural. And when you put that on it and you realize that the divine feminine and the divine masculine and the divine son are all the Godhead, the Trinitarian belief, Yet again, we've stripped the feminine energy out of it and we've gone, no, that's Holy Spirit. Well, look at the characteristics of the Holy Spirit. Tell me that's not feminine. Comfort, guidance, love, compassion, uh, 
the breath to move you through something rather than the hand to push you. That's all a feminine characteristic, guys. And I mean that in, in absolute love. So ladies, like, start looking at the Holy Spirit. I'm not telling you this is, you know, doctrinally true, so don't take it as that. But maybe start looking at the Holy Spirit as a divine mother, a divine comforter, a divine guide, your actual feminine connection to the Godhead. Same thing for men, you know, men that have mom issues or whatever. Same thing with that. Like, God gave us everything we need in that divine triune. And life comes through women. Absolutely, Annie. Absolutely. And so, like, when we strip that away, then you end up, and that's what this article goes on to talk about. Go read it. I'm obviously not going to get through all of it. But you have so many things. Books of the Apocrypha were later removed from many King James printings. So the Apocrypha is important, yet it's removed. Numerous different versions of the King James Bible existed by the 18th century. So there's all these different versions that are running around and and dispute each other, you know. The Cambridge Revisions of 1629 and 1638. Um, uh, Let's see. Including the infamous omission of the word not... In an edition, which became known as the Wicked Bible, it exhorted its readers, thou shalt commit adultery rather than shalt not. Very interesting there. So we see, you know, if you say, no, this is the infallible word. Like, no, the infallible word of God is the Son. It is the Logos. It's the divine computation. And if you look up the strongs of the word Logos, it's the divine computation. It's that thing by which all things are created, animated, and exist. It's that thing by which your spirit returns to the Godhead and becomes a part of the Father, the Mother, and the Son. You are a part of the Godhead. And that's exactly what Gnosticism talks about. It's exactly what the Matrix talks about. And the idea that these gods have this physical Matrix for us. It started in a paradise. And when the serpent came in and showed us the knowledge again, the evil gods went, oh, no, you're out of here then. Fine, we're going we're gonna to make you suffer now. And that's where, and so, and I'm not telling you you have to believe that. I'm just saying I see that that is a possibility in the story. And I think that we need to start being able to read these stories and understand them as stories and go, wait a minute, what in this actually happened and what might this be an archetype for? What might this be an, uh, an algorithm for? And, you know, an algorithm is something that repeats and changes based on the input and the output. So if you look at Gnosticism that way and you look at the, the text as based on input and output, why is it called the living word of God? Well, this isn't living, but when you take the words and you start to understand them and Christ rises in you, that word becomes alive in you and you now have the power of life in you. You have the power to speak life, yet what do we do in, in most of our denominations, most of our our uh, holiday family arguments around the dinner table, we, we sit there and those words hurt. Those words hurt each other. I'm making that, I hope that's not a bad gesture, but I'm just, you know, and uh, like, what is it, sign language? I think that's uh, uh, the word for word there, uh, or the speak symbol. I hope that's what that is. But, but I'm making that to give a point here is like, you're taking something from your mouth and giving it to someone. You see that on camera, giving it. Take it and give it. Take it and give it. So when we speak life, think about that. You're giving a gift every time you say a word. 
So what is the word of God? Is it the words on the page or is it the words out of the mouth of the son of man, the son and daughter of man? We are. Why do you think he called himself the son of man? I'm sure there's some doctrinal explanation for that, but I've been seeing this lately. The son of man, he is saying, I'm a son of man. He never said, I'm the son of God. He's saying, I'm a son of man. But he's showing the divinity of the son of man. Do I believe that God's Logos was fully present in him? Absolutely. Do I believe he really was that son of God, that divine computation? Absolutely. Do I believe he was sacrificed so that we could become sons and daughters of God again? Absolutely. So, I had guilt for years about not believing creation story verbatim, repentance and tears. See, uh, you know, and, and much love for you, sister. I think there is something really, really deep in me that wants to help people that have that story because I have too. I've had so much guilt and anxiety for years and and I would think that did I upset God? Is this happening because I and it's like no. There's none of that in God in the true God. There's none of that. And all of that is what has been built as a prison for us or what we've built in our own mind. And it's time that we all start activating that logos of God, letting Christ rise in us, not the person, but the concept, not the historical figure, not the figurine, not the cross on the dash, but the actual entity, the actual energy, the logos, the divinity, the divine computation, the creative power of God is in every one of us. And he loves us. He wants to return us to him. And he knows that that's the frequency that will do it. The kingdom is within you. What do you think about that verse? Absolutely. I'm about to read it from the Gnostic Gospels. Perfect segue here as we wrap up today's lesson. So this is from the Gospel of Thomas. And uh, it refers to Jesus as Yeshua, which is what he would have been called. Another issue with our modern interpretation, we call him Jesus. He's actually Yeshua. In that time, the historical figure of Christ was Yeshua. And I also believe the historical figure of Christ has probably come many, 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 many times. I think he was definitely probably present in the 1960s with the hippie movement. I'm not saying that all went well, but I think that there was definitely an element of that love and that respect in that um, and that open-mindedness in that. Again, we, we, <laughs> we completely converted that into a matrix version of that belief system and we made it we made it dirty we made it um anarchy we made it all of this stuff like i i'm saying that but but do we not do that every time do we not do that every time a christ comes uh definitely hard to keep up with all of his names lol yeah absolutely absolutely uh manifest magic yes absolutely and welcome uh let's just say i'm confused uh kath joe says hey Confusion is one of the best places to start. <clears throat> in fact, I'm going to read this. So, Gospel of Thomas starts out like this. Now, this was found in Nag Hammadi in 1945. What else happened around that time period? We started setting off reactionary devices made for destruction. I won't say them on here because I don't want to get flagged for anything. Uh, but you guys know what I'm talking about. What happened in 1945 around then? We started doing these experiments on these quantum levels that we've never done before. 
smashing atoms together. Uh, former pastor wife. Well, hey, welcome, welcome. I, I hope this is, in fact, this verse is for you. You're going to love this. So if you take the ancient astronaut theory and you understand that like Shiva, the god Shiva, is always kind of represented by this quantum realm. And even Oppenheimer, when he created this technology, or was a big part in creating it, he quoted something from the Bhagavata. I wish I could say that correctly. And he said, I become death, I am destroyer of worlds. Well, why did he say that? Well, if you read the paradigm by Jonathan Cain, he talks about people on this earth now being avatars for these gods. I believe they're extraterrestrial gods. Uh, but he's saying, you know, that we're avatars. There are certain people that are avatars for these gods. Um, and so might Oppenheimer have been, have been getting some heavenly knowledge, not kingdom of God knowledge, but heavenly knowledge uh, to create this technology. Because we, we understand now that the kingdom of heaven is always coming through technology. The kingdom of God is always coming from within us. A metaphysical, spiritual connection to the Godhead um, or the triune God. So, this was found in around 1945, um, and these experiments were happening. Why do I think that's important? Because we had a ton of extraterrestrial activity happen at that time. I think there's something to do with that quantum reaction that either opens portals for them or calls them here. I don't know, I don't know which one, but I, th I see something with that. We see that with the uh, LHC. I have to speak in code here, so I hope you guys know what I'm talking about. In, in Switzerland, uh, we see that uh, they've even said multiple times they're looking for multiple realities. They're looking to open uh, portals. Um, and you can go find those words. You can't find it on the scientific documents, but you can certainly go watch some interviews and you hear that type of language being used. So, um, Let's see. Sister Annie, welcome. Thank you for being here. Um, yeah, Nicole, absolutely. That's what I'm talking about. So, okay. So, um, exactly. Why would pre Jesus pray to himself? I've always wondered that. Why is he praying to God, the father? And then now we're worshiping him as God. Again, I think he came to tell us where God is. I think he, he called himself the son of man. I'm a son of man. You're a son of man. You're a daughter of man. There had to be a father somehow, right? And so why is he saying that the whole time? Because I think we've twisted the message. That's just my belief. So, and, and I go beyond belief with that. That's not just my belief as like I hold it firm. That's an under and an inner standing, which is, which is fluid, guys. My inner standing is fluid because my spirit is much more dynamic than one or two words on a page. And yours should be too, by the way. I think everybody that's still on this live stream is looking for something, and that's what we're all doing together. And I love, love, love that we can do this together. And I am so sorry I missed a ton of comments over here on Facebook. So it's hard looking at both, uh, both screens, and there's some great comments. I'm sorry, guys. I love you, and I'm, I'm, I hate missing comments here. But Okay, so Gospel of Thomas. So we see why it's important now. Uh, Yeshua said, whoever lives the interpretation of these words will no longer taste death. That's Logion 1 or verse 1. Logion 2. Yeshua said, whoever searches must continue to search until they find. When they find, they will be disturbed. And being disturbed, they will marvel 
and will reign over all. Now, those are powerful words. And if you say, hey, I'm confused. Hey, so am I. But what am I doing? I'm searching. I've been disturbed many times by what I've found going, what? Wait a minute. That can't. Well, it is. Wow. Oh, they really changed. Really? Could they actually be wanting to? Oh, well. It's disturbing. Are there really extra trip? What? Are these the gods of the? You see where I'm going with this? It's disturbing. Being disturbed, then you'll marvel. And now, and I'm starting to do that. It's taken me almost a full year of being in this mode of, like, okay, I'm really, really willing to just put all this aside and and look at what the actual authentic narrative is. Now I'm starting to marvel. It takes time, by the way. Your spiritual ascension, you might wake up overnight, but it might be really uncomfortable for quite a while. And you might have to give up a lot. Because I know I have. That's just my story. They will marvel and will reign over all. And I'm, I'm ready for that part. I'm ready for that part. But I'm in the marvel part. I'm in the, wow, this is, this is crazy how deep the rabbit hole goes. And you see that line played out in the Matrix movie. What, is, what does Neo do? He rejects it. He had been searching, right? He continues to search. He found it. He rejected it. He was disturbed. He's like, no, I don't want that. Then he's marveling. He's like, what? This is crazy. I can't believe it. He starts to accept it. And then he reigns overall by the end of the movie. He realizes the Matrix, whatever the Matrix throws at him, is fake anyway. And that he is the only reality. He is the only thing that's authentic. He is the only thing that is actually alive. Is him, his spirit, his true self in the real world. Whereas the Matrix is just this fake thing created to imprison him and get him to fall into line. And so he's able to take on those powers because here, and here's one clue why I think that that might actually be true is because Christ, the words of Christ in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in the, in the New Testament, those are the words I live by because if you look at him, what did Christ say to the demon? He said, go. He didn't light a candle, put out incense, get some sage, do this, get all the, put the sand right, salt and some crystals and all that. No, that's the sorcery. And I'm going to talk about that this week. And if you're into that, I mean this in total respect. And I think that what I'm going to reveal this week is going to be really life-changing for you. And for me, because it was for me, because I never understood the difference between sorcery and magic. And, And Christ was magic, okay? By all intents and purposes, by the way. He said, go to the demon. There was no, He just knew he had authority over it. And the frequency he was in had authority over every lower frequency on this planet and even over the matrix. And we forget that. It's not this, this whole thing that we have to perform. It's just go. That's what he told the demon. Go. And you watch all these exorcism movies that are built on dogmatic belief systems. And you've got holy water and signs of the cross. And you've got sorcery. Mona says, yep, we all have authority. Amen. Amen. 
You guys see where I'm going with this, right? And so for the former pastor's wife, I hope you're still in here. Yeshua said, if those who guide you say, look, the kingdom is in the sky, then the birds are closer than you. If they say, look, it is in the sea, then the fish already know it. The kingdom is inside of you and it is outside of you. When you know yourself, then you will be known. And you will know that you are a child of the living Father. But if you do not know yourself, then you will live in vain and you will be vanity. And I'll end with Logion 4. An aged person will not hesitate to ask a seven-day-old infant about the place of life, and that person will live. Many of the first will make themselves last, and they will become one. I'm going to go on actually here. Yeshua said in Logion 5, Recognize what is in front of you, and what is hidden from you will be revealed. There is nothing hidden that will not be revealed. So that's my final question for today. What is in front of you? And I highly recommend go watch the Matrix movie. Gnosticism has been demonized for thousands of years. And there's a lot of data to show that there was literal battles going on between the early church in Acts and the Gnostics. And I think that there's something to that. I can't prove that historically, but there's way more, you know, learned papers on that issue than I can offer you. I'm just putting together what is in front of me. So uh, let's see. I always question everything. Crystals, paganism, Wiccan, uh, Christ and the church, the Bible, all life. Uh, Krista, absolutely. I do too. And that's, and Krista, you're going to love my study this week. We're going to talk about all of that. Uh, I think crystals are beautiful. I think, by the way, they hold information. We found that we can do computing. This is crazy. I didn't even know this. I saw this the other day. There's crystalline computing that we can do now that can hold. I, it, it held, they put the entire Holy Bible on something that was wafer thin in every language, by the way. It was wafer thin and it was like that big. Just tiny, tiny. The whole thing held that much data. And I don't understand it, but I know that, you know, we have these crystal skulls that these extraterrestrials have allegedly placed around the planet. Some people say that they talk to them. You know, there's a lady that had one that said this thing talks to her all the time and moves stuff in the house. Why do you think that is? Is that magic or is that sorcery? Is that technology? Is that something we don't understand? And I think that is. But again, I think that the magic of Christ is that he told us to look within, know ourselves. You want to know God? Know yourself. Doesn't mean that this person, because I am more than this that you guys are looking at. When you start to realize that and realize you're a true person, which is kind of this thing that's connected, you're connected all the time. And you start to realize that deeper esoteric truth then you realize that there's no danger in looking within. And then you go, well, wait a minute. There's you know a lot of stuff in, in Corinthians and uh, in Romans and Acts that talk about you know not trusting yourself and blah, blah, blah. And was it Paul was always saying you know, that he can't trust himself, he's just full of sin, blah, blah, blah. Well, there's a lot of data, too, about the Pauline epistles. And I personally look at them as what not to do. 
That's just my personal. Now, and that's there's another hard thing for a lot of us to hear on here. Wait, Paul isn't. I think he was against the Gnostics. I think he experienced whatever he experienced on the road. He claimed it was Christ. But what does this matrix do? It does a great job of creating counterfeit Christs. And everything that he did after that, I don't see it as love and enlightenment and truth. I see it as he was rebuilding the old law immediately. And the early church was, by the way. And everything that Christ actually said in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John just seemingly went out the window and was replaced with the deity of Jesus rather than the message of Christ. That's what I see. Most pastors will argue with me and say, no, you don't understand because you need to know this. And, that. and that's fine. I, I'm just telling you, that is my, my understanding of it right now. So when are we going back to Enoch? Hey, I'm doing Enoch uh, all through the week. Um, like Monday through Friday, we do Enoch. And then um, I try to hit up the Gnostic Gospels on the weekend, honestly. Uh, mainly because I want to offer something for everybody, you know, we got church going on on Sunday morning. A lot of people don't go to church anymore. I'm not trying to compete with anybody. That's not my MO here. I just want to offer something different for those that are interested. So uh, let's see. Uh, let's build mastery says nice. Would love to hear your thoughts on the family limited series on Netflix focuses on acts. Oh, I will have to watch that. I have not watched that. By the way, Messiah on Netflix is beautiful and fantastic. I love that movie. It got really, really bad reviews by a lot of church publications um, as being, you know, pagan and whatnot. Uh, but to me, like, look at the Messiah in that. Pretty close to what Jesus actually said, or at least the data we have from him, the words of him. So... Annie says, yep, did you see uh, that she photographed the aura of it? No, I did not see that. That is awesome. Um, I will check that out. Yeah, the crystal skulls are super, super interesting. Dan Aykroyd, love, love, love Dan Aykroyd. And, and it is one of my goals with this. The more we grow, the more you guys support this, to sit down with people like Dan Aykroyd, sit down with some of these greats, um, and really have these conversations. I want to do stuff with the Gaia Network. I want to do stuff with the History Channel. That's my goal. Like, you guys want to know what's the end goal with this. I want this to expand. And one of my commitments to you guys is, is no matter how big this gets, we're at almost 110,000 on TikTok now. We're at almost 80,000 on Facebook. We're in the thousands now on YouTube. Give me some love on YouTube. Cub Cooker on YouTube, by the way. One word, C-U-B-K-U-K-E-R. Give me some love over there uh, so we can grow that. Let's get that to tens of thousands of followers on YouTube. That tells the algorithm on YouTube this is an important message. Get it out there. Um, and all of these are reposted on YouTube for your convenience on the Cub Cooker Supernatural Podcast. You can also jump over to the podcast on Apple and Spotify. Everything, if you guys are ever confused, hey, is this really Cub's account? Because there's been some copycat accounts. You can go to www.cubcooker.me, C-U-B-K-U-K-E-R.me, and that will forward you to my stan.store, S-T-A-N.S-T-O-R-E slash C-U-B-K-U-K-E-R. I'm just letting you know it does forward you to my stan store. Make sure it's spelled like my name. 
that has all of my official social media at the top, including the podcast, including all my official merch. So I'm sure it's only a matter of time before someone copies that. You can't get my artwork anywhere else. You cannot get it on shirts like I'm making anywhere else. Um, my book is on there. You guys will know it's my website by, by what's on there. Um, and then the URL being my actual name there. So anyway, I love you guys. Thank you for today. It's been a great study. I'm going to go to lunch with my family. So, uh, update on the Euphrates river. Yes, it's definitely drying out. Um, that's really interesting too, especially in light of, are we in a paradigm type prophetic timeline? Uh, did revelation already happen? Uh, is it happening again? Did it never happen and we're still waiting? I don't know the answers. I just know that I still see the signs unfolding. And I kind of think that every age has a Christ. Every age has the prophetic timeline unfold. And we're always, always, always given. I think we have the same opportunity now that people uh, right after the time of Christ were given. Like the narrative changed because of what he did. And he came to return us to God, show us who we really are. And I don't care what walk of faith, life, orientation, color, religion, whatever you are. doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter to me. Really, really, really doesn't matter to me. We have people that are Wiccan on here. We have people that are uh, esoteric. We have people that are Christian, Muslim, Buddhist, uh, Tao. We have uh, Native Americans on here. We have... Uh, literally every walk of life, faith, orientation on here. And I don't even care who you're married to, by the way. I just care about finding God in all of us. Because I think he's there, and I think he's ready to start making a difference in this world, start loving people, speaking life to people. We are all looking for truth. Amen. Amen. Uh, let's build mastery says this was great. Thank you so much. You guys go watch the restream of it on the YouTube channel while you're there. Give me a sub. That would be awesome. Uh, thank you guys for being here. Um, anyway, I love you guys. Have an awesome day. I'm going to go have some lunch. Uh, you guys, God be with you on your journey. We're all on a beautiful journey together. And I thank you for supporting mine. Uh, anything you get from the website helps me keep doing this full time so that I don't have to keep living off my savings. So thank you guys that have stepped up. Uh, the shirts, I am um, cycling the t-shirts out every every week or two. Um, there are designs on there now that are going to be going away next week. So if you guys like those designs, I price them as low as possible. And there's a 20% off going on today through the end of the day today. It's S-C-H-O-O-L 20. School 20 will get you 20% off your order from the t-shirt shop. Uh, and there's some mugs on there. There's the journal, a uh, couple of things like that. The socks, Meditative Jesus socks. I like long socks, so I put those on there. Um, all of that's designed and created by me. So um, I use a really cool AI software and I tell stories to it. I work on it to get the right images, the right colors, shapes, textures, everything. So it is all created uh, by me. So um, Annie says, yep, Cub Cooker. Absolutely, yes, there's there's my name. So, um, But anyway, y'all go check that out. And then, like I said, the coupon code is SCHOOL20. That'll get you 20% off through the end of today. So if you want the t-shirts, the socks, the journal, the mugs that I have on there, 
uh, and I'm about to discontinue a lot of uh, the extra stuff and focus more on t-shirts. So if you guys want any of that extra stuff, go grab it now. Um, and like I said, I'm not just trying to sell people. That literally helps me show up tomorrow and keep doing this. So thank you guys. I love you. Have a beautiful day. Peace.